So, Harry. Yeah? If you had to be killed by a famous monster or serial killer, such as one of the many that appear in this movie, Mm -hmm. who would it be and why? Mm, um, I think an easy answer would be to go with uh, someone kind of stabby. Someone kind of stabby? Because I feel like that'd be quicker. Oh, I don't know. Getting stabbed. Is that a quick death, really? Depends where they stab you. Well, true, I guess. I mean, I guess it beats getting your face eaten. I mean, yeah, yeah, like no matter matter who it is, you don't really know how it's going to be. There's... There's, there's 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 not many that have a very specific instant death every time. True, yeah. I guess I might go with Alien. Alien, yeah. Yeah, because like you know, that is, you are getting it, your face eaten. It's gonna happen. It's inevitable. But it might get a bit sexual on the way out. Okay, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you used to have on your Tinder profile? <laughs> <laughs> a bit sexual on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a bit sexual, comma on, on the, the way, way out. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to The Cabin in the Woods. We'll also be picturing some drinking games and hearing other sequel pitches from our Twitter followers. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments for an original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most. Chance of making that jump that killed Hemsworth? You reckon? Yeah, I can make that jump. Okay. What, through the force field, or? Yeah, I'm pretty strong. I could, I could okay. survive it. Okay, well... I wouldn't like to say it, but <laughs> kind of like to say it. And joining me as always, the host with the most chance of being stabbed by a zombie while Hemsworth is going down, is John <laughs> Lucas. I can think of worse ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cabin in the woods. The cabin in the woods, yes. What do you think? Uh, so I chose this one, mm-hmm. uh, although I hadn't actually ever seen it before. I right. just chose it because it, it is October now, so I guess it's our time to do some get mm-hmm. some spooky movies in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, what's a horror movie that hasn't had a sequel that I'd quite like to do, and I thought, well, you know, I've never seen Cabin in the Woods, and I hear it's good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed this film. Um, <laughs> I managed to kind of avoid most of the plot spoilers. I kind of knew that it was, obviously, knew it was Joss Whedon, so it was going to be very, like, tongue-in-cheek and very, like, meta in many ways. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't even consider that to be a spoiler because it kind of gives that away in the first five minutes. This movie, yeah. does, As much as this movie has some, like, twists and turns that you might not necessarily expect... It kind of sets itself up very quickly as what kind of horror movie it is. Yeah, it does. And weird thing about this movie, uh, I think, so it was my third time watching it. Okay. Um, I imagine it does, like, reward repeat viewings in many ways. It does, yeah. But also I have to forget loads. So Mm. this time watching it now, there was loads I didn't remember. But yeah, weird thing about this movie is just the way that it's set up. Because we'll get into the plot, but like it it misses out on giving a really big twist. Yes, I, I felt the exact same way. I was like, would this movie be better if all the stuff with Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford in the control yeah. room kicked in like two thirds of the way in? Yeah, because like initially it would then start off as your basic Cabin in the Woods movie. Yeah. And, you know, for the first third it would, or whatever it would be before the twist kicks in, it might get kind of boring. Yeah. It might get kind of like, this is very cliche. Mm. Oh, that would be good. That would be... That'd be good to be like this. This film is quite bad. This is just every cliche, and there's nothing unique about this. And oh, I didn't see that coming. Okay. Yeah, I, I genuinely do. I thought about this a lot. I genuinely do think I would have preferred it if they'd done it that way. Because mm. as much as this is very clever and very good, 
I do think the fact that it tells you straight away, oh, this is all being manipulated and mm-hmm. this is all like nothing these characters do is of their own free will. And because yeah. and, and, that's very established very quickly. It did mean that I couldn't ever really buy into any kind of tension with it. Yeah. And I know it's not really trying to be a scary horror movie. It's more of a comment on horror movies. Yeah. But yeah, I think if I was able to like watch the first two thirds and just think, oh, it's a film about some teenagers who mm-hmm. are trying to survive, you know, your classic horror movie setup. And then, yeah. And then if it, it kind of pulled it back, you know, mm-hmm. as it went along, I just, I just think it would have worked a little bit better because I did find that a little bit, especially in the first two thirds before it like went completely bonkers. Mm-hmm. I just, I did find that a little bit irritating in places where I was just like, well, I don't care because there's no, nothing to care about. Like this is, it's mm. really showing all its cards from the start. Yeah. Thing. Like to be honest, it's, I, I'm in two minds about it because mm. I really enjoyed all the stuff with, with Richard Jenkins and stuff yeah. in the, in the, in, in the control. Oh yeah. It was super fun. Like yeah. But how good of a twist would it be when like the two of them are running from zombies and the guy just finds this hole in the ground. That's like, Oh my God, there's a weird sort of well lit clean lift here. Yeah. What's this? You could even, yeah, you could even then like, like that, that, flashback. That, that could be the twist. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Yeah, I yeah. guess flashback. Yeah, yeah. Because like the opening scene is like, I've read some things about Joss Whedon talking about this, how, how it's it's deliberately designed to make you think you've, it works better in the cinema than obviously when you're watching it on a streaming mm-hmm. platform as I did, but it's deliberately set up to make you think you're in the wrong theater. Right. Because okay. it's so not your typical horror movie opening at all. It's incredibly mundane. Mm-hmm. It's these two guys who haven't been advertised as being part of the movie, just having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's about, like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously, if you're on Netflix, you can be like, oh, no, this is the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently it did and was de- deliberately kind of had a lot of people walking out going, oh, we're in the wrong screen. Really? So, like, we've walked in on some kind of, you know, very boring workplace drama <laughs> <laughs> starring two quite respectable actors. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a choice. It's definitely a choice. And I I did, I, I mean, I'm nitpicking. I, I did think this was super fun and really interesting. And Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like, it, it feels quite original in its idea. Sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, that's kind of rare. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have a lot to complain about, to be honest. No. No, it was a good time, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys better not be messing around in there. Ooh, does this mean you're not in the betting pool this year? Big money. I am just saying it's a key scenario. No, I, I hear what you're saying. In 98, it was the chem department's fault, right? Where do you work again? Wait, it's coming back to me now. It's gonna be a long weekend if everyone's that puckered up. So you wanna come over Monday night? I'm gonna pick up some power drills, liberate my cabinets. Are you even listening to me? Do you want to do a plot summary then? Uh, sure, yeah. So, Cabin in the Woods mm. came out in 2011, mm-hmm. but was filmed, I think, like two years earlier. Something like that. I, it was, I forget exactly what I it read is. that it got stuck in like production hell for ages. Mm. The, the company was, that was supposed to distribute it went bankrupt mm-hmm. and then it got kicked around a lot and then it literally took like two and a half years and then finally it got released and then when it was released it was quite successful yeah well the benefit of that two and a half years that they mm-hmm. couldn't have predicted was that this little known australian guy who was <laughs> who's been in i think neighbors or home and away and not mm-hmm. much else at that point a uh, guy by the name of chris hemsworth uh, he over the intervening two and a half years while he waited for this film to be released he became rather famous yeah really really famous really really, really, really very very famous yeah <laughs> And yeah, and so by the time this came out, I think it was Thor already out. It was Thor on its way out. Yeah, I think Thor came out in 2010. Yeah, and it, I think there was something else he was in. I forget what. So yeah, he went He went straight from, literally straight from Home and Away mm. um, in 2007 to Star Trek 2009, a perfect getaway, same year. Cash, whatever that is. Mm. 
Thor and the Cabin in the Woods in 2011. Yeah. Same year. And then Avengers the year after that. I think, actually, yeah, maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe it's just the fact that this and Thor came out very close together. Mm. It was like, because I do remember it was, he became famous like very quickly. It was just like out yeah. of nowhere, overnight, suddenly he was super famous. So. Yeah. Well, he was, so. he was one of the, one of the lucky ones, like kind of like Chris Evans as well. He was also a name. Yeah. But when it, when it came to Marvel, like they did their first solo movies and then literally the next year were in Avengers, the big team up movie that just, took everyone by storm so sure yeah it was like wow that they've been in loads of films but mm. they've just been in two in the summer that's it yeah yeah that's it. yeah so uh, this was a a big moment for him so yeah chris hemsworth and a bunch of other people who mm-hmm. are not have not quite hit the same heights since nope. i don't really recognize any of them to be honest nope. uh not that they're not bad they're all very good in this film but mm. uh, none of them are particularly well apart from I mean, of the five teenagers, obviously Richard Jenkins is in yeah. this and Bradley Whitford is in this and Amy Acker, who mm-hmm. uh, is one of the people who was in Angel. Did you mm-hmm. ever watch Angel? I know you watched no. Buffy. No. She was in Angel. The the female lab technician who gets killed by the snake thing at the end. All right, yeah. Yeah, uh, she's a main character in the last few seasons of Angel. So mm-hmm. there's lots of Buffy Angel Yeah, I saw, I saw Jonathan from Buffy. He had a little cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of references to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, so came out in 2011 Written and produced by Joss Whedon and directed by Drew Goddard, who is mm-hmm. someone who collaborated with Joss Whedon yeah. uh, quite a lot around this time. I think he also did some Buffy, maybe some Serenity, Firefly stuff. I don't know, mm, but yeah. they were collaborators. So yeah, they released this film and it stars these teenagers, teenagers, question mark. Uh, <laughs> well, we open with this incredibly mundane kind of workplace scene, like I said, which is Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins, who are just having a very boring work conversation in what seems like a generic kind of lab scenario. Uh, There are some vague hints of what's to come because I think Amy Acker says, there's some mention very early on about like, oh, Stockholm's fallen flat or fallen through. Stockholm's failed. Mm -hmm. So now it's just us in Japan. Yeah. And she seems to be taking this very seriously, but they're just kind of like, no, I'll be fine. So that's our first little hint of what's to come. But yeah, just this very mundane conversation that is just totally interrupted by the most pointless jump scare I've ever seen in a movie in my life. <laughs> Deliberately so, obviously. Yeah. It's a joke. But, like, just out of nowhere, the t- these, like, blood-red titles, like, Cabin in the Woods, just, mm-hmm. like, explode onto the screen, like, mid-sentence or something. <laughs> and it is. It's a problem, like, oh, it's a jump mm-hmm. scare. But it's like, what? Apart from the fact that it was out of nowhere, the, nothing's happened. Like, <laughs> it's just a title. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's not actually a scare, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we cut from them to more kind of traditional horror movie opening Mm -hmm. scenario where we see these five uh, students Mm. who I believe they're all supposed to be teenagers. They're all like a cool 35. I don't know how Mm, old Hemsworth was at this point, but they all look a cool 35 of their day. (laughs) But I think, again, it's it's exaggerating the stereotypes. So it's like, it's okay. It's not, I think it's kind of a bit deliberately doing that. Yeah, totally. But it's always fun. Oh, no, it is. No, I mean, I always love stuff like that. And these are the most kind of, like I said, if if they didn't have the Bradley Whitford and Rich Jenkins stuff at the top, mm-hmm. this would be the most generic horror movie opening. The mm-hmm. characters are the most like two dimensional, you know, paint by numbers horror movie cast. You've yeah, got yeah. you've got your main character Dana, who is you no, know, she's the virgin. Mm-hmm. She's just getting over a a bad breakup with her professor, and she's very nerdy, and she's kind of a bit heartbroken, and mm-hmm. you know, she's very she's always carrying big books of philosophy, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, she's got her fr- her best friend Jules, mm-hmm. whose character personality trait is that she's just dyed her hair blonde. Yeah, that's about all we get from her. Yeah, uh, she is later designated the whore. That's the film's words, not mine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she is dating Kurt, who mm-hmm. is played by Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. who is 
the, the jock. jock, yeah, basically, yeah. or the athlete, I think he's called. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he is the he's the jock. He's mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth. He's tall and muscular, and that's his character trait. Yep. Uh, and then there's also uh, the nerd, mm-hmm. who's like the comic relief, who's the stoner, who's introduced immediately, like smoking this comedically oversized <laughs> bong, mm-hmm. which is then revealed to be a kind of a contraption that it's a, it's a collapsible it's a, it's it's a like collapsible a, giant bong that collapses into looking like mug. a coffee mug yeah. yeah or like a um what's those when you take camp in like a, a flask or something yeah, yeah yeah anyway apparently they i mean it's not a real thing but apparently there was like a, a huge demand for those after this film like right yeah apparently knockoffs just like flooded the market like sure cheap, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good i mean if you can make it work that's a good contraption mm, definitely yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so that's marty he's the fool mm-hmm. or the the, the nerd mm-hmm and there's also the bland, Hol- the bland good guy, the bland sensitive good guy Holden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the sensitive friend of a friend who's the set up very quickly as the potential of interest for the mm-hmm. the virgin. Yeah. So we've got these five characters, and they are. I don't like calling her the virgin. Can we call her the final girl? The final. I'm, I'm just going with what the movie called her. Yeah. I know, but it just feels weird. Okay, the final girl. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the or just da- her name was Donna, if, if it matters. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. 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 Yeah, and th- these characters really, it is that classic horror movie cast where it's like, they don't seem like there's any reason why any of them would be friends. <laughs> they seem like they've <laughs> literally just met each other for the first time. Yeah. Except yeah. for the dialogue claiming that they're all super close friends. Mm-hmm. But they're all going for a weekend away in a cabin in the woods in, I think, mm-hmm. Kurt, Chris Hemsworth's character's cousin. I mean, it's again, it's the it's the very deliberately throwaway kind of like rationale. Like, why are we going away from mm-hmm. a creepy house for the weekend? Because, oh, mm-hmm. my cousin's got a place and, you know, yeah. why not? And then, yeah. So they hit Head out on the road, the five of them, they drive down into the woods where they're going to stay in this in this cabin for a little weekend retreat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are not enough comments or questions about Chris Hemsworth's cousin. No, 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 he's not, not a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why does he have this? How long has he had this? Why on earth does he have all this creepy stuff in here? Like, if it was like, my cousin just, you know, inherited this or whatever or something like that, then, you know, it'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. I'll accept this. But otherwise... This is weird. So, yeah, like knowing what we know about the way the movie ends, mm-hmm. are we to believe that the cousin actually did have this cabin and the whole thing was just very convenient and then it just was something that the the control room could set up? Yeah. Or is the cousin like in on this? Yeah, I, d- I don't know. Ne- never explained, never explained. No. No, we, don't, we never meet the cousin, I don't think. We never hear anything about it. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, my cousin has a place because that's a convenient reason. Yeah. Which, fine. So on the way, so they're driving down like in classic kind of backwards America, like really off the beaten track. Uh, I don't know if it ever says what state they're supposed to be in. I reckon, like my little theory, I reckon that Chris Hemsworth doesn't actually have a cousin. Sure. But he's just really stupid. And he believes that just this random guy who's just like, hey, I'm your long lost cousin. I have a cabin. Why don't you come and stay? Oh, just someone's just added him on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And just (laughs) offered him this place. Yeah. That could could have been like some setup. Yeah. But whatever. (laughs) This movie's not even that interested in doing any deep character work no. on these people. No, so. it doesn't need to be, does it? No, no, not at all. It's just a throwaway reason for them yeah. to get there. Uh, so they're driving down to this cabin and they stop for gas and they meet this very, this classic hillbilly, this classic threatening hillbilly type mm-hmm. who aggressively spits at them <laughs> repeatedly. He's just like <laughs> yep. chewing, like spitting, uh, what are those things called? Like tax? Yeah, chewing tobacco. Chewing tobacco, chewing yeah. tobacco, yeah. They have a little run in with him and then they continue on and they arrive at the cabin. Mm-hmm. And the cabin could not be any more clearly the set of a horror movie like it's this disgusting looking it's ridiculous that no one comments on it like the second they look at it yeah like if someone does say like it's beautiful like that <laughs> but no one's ever like this place is horrible it's an it's an absolute wreck yeah, yeah. 
It also seems like it's a lot bigger on the inside than the outside. Yeah, That's, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a one-room shack, and you get inside, oh, it's quite roomy. Yeah. Like, uh, so they get into the cabin, and yeah, on the inside, just as much as the outside, though, it looks classically horror movie standard. So you've got animal heads all over the walls, obviously, like taxidermy <laughs> animal heads, which mm-hmm. we'll get to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Dana the Virgin discovers that her bedroom has a... A one-way mirror. A one-way mirror. Yeah. Actually, no, she doesn't discover that. The the sensitive guy, yeah. the love interest, discovers that because he goes into his bedroom and the walls are covered in like really creepy paintings of like mm-hmm. ritual animal slaughter. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, nope. And he takes it down. Mm-hmm. And behind it, he discovers a, t- a one-way mirror. Or yeah. t- a two-way mirror? A one-way mirror? One, well, no. What would you call that? Uh, yeah, well, everyone knows what we mean. It's yeah, like, yeah. So he can yeah. see through into Dana's room. But she can't. She can't see that he's watching. And so she starts getting undressed because, of course, she does. Mm-hmm. And he proves that he's a good, sensitive guy because mm-hmm. he doesn't let her get her boobs out for him. She, mm-hmm. He calls her in and tells her what's going on. Yeah. And he even offers to swap rooms so yeah. that she'll feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So then they immediately swap rooms. And then he immediately just gets his top off. Yeah. <laughs> like, he knows she's stuck. <laughs> she's not had time to put that painting back. He knows what he's doing. It's like, oh, whoops, my abs. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, he continues to take the rest of his clothes off as well. Was he just going to fully strip in front of her at that point? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He's got the body for it. <laughs> All so. the way. Okay. Yeah, probably. Uh, and, yeah, and at this point, just, the movie just kind of races through the horror movie cliches quite quickly. Yeah. We get sexy swimming in the uh, in, in a lake. Oh, yeah. yeah. We get we, sexy truth or dare. We get, we, we, we get a fake scare when... Uh, Two of them jump in the lake and Chris Hemsworth's like, oh my God, what's that? Oh no, what is it? And we're all like, oh my God, the, the movie's about to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about to get, it's about to get going. And he just throws the girlfriend in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's funny, but it was, it's, it's, I'd, I'd count that as a cliche. So. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, this so, movie. So drink. Yeah, this movie lives on its cliches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get that. We get some sexy truth or dare, yeah. which uh, culminates in one of the most memorable scenes of the film when uh, the, blonde, <laughs> the blonde girl, mm-hmm. uh, her dare is to make out with a taxidermy wolf head. Mm-hmm. And she really commits to this bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really made me laugh. I loved it. Like, because again, not having seen this, I didn't know. Oh, is the, I was like, oh, is the wolf head going to come alive and like bite her face yeah, off? Yeah, me too. Like, that's I was thinking. totally prepped for that. Yeah. Like, but no, she just fully like really makes out with this, mm-hmm. this like scary taxidermy wolf head. And like, mm-hmm. and then she's like, thank you. Like she really does a perform, <laughs> gives it a performance. Like yeah. she doesn't just kiss it. Like, and meanwhile, we're getting all of this like back and forth between seeing them and how they're a little truth or dare drinking games are playing out and back to the control room where we see that actually the the control tech people like bradley whitford and richard jenkins they're manipulating this entire thing mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're like using pheromones and mm-hmm. hidden cameras and hidden microphones to kind of suggestively make the characters behave in which in the way in which we, they kind of want them to although we yeah. don't know quite why this is yet so anyway so, so they're in the middle of this truth or dare game and then the cabin door for the basement literally just like flings open for no reason <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's a great uh evil dead callback there's loads and loads of like classic horror movie references and this mm-hmm. is very evil dead this bit so the cabin door just literally flings open and they're all like well that was that was strange that seemed out of nowhere mm-hmm. and of course they decide to go down and explore it mm-hmm. naturally um and they do and it's, it's like a creepy darkened basement of course mm-hmm. and it's quite literally a room full of nightmares uh, I, I, I love this yes yeah. the, the scene where it's just a room full of junk and they're just mm-hmm. picking up random bits of junk and everything's all happening at once and you can because you you just know how this kind of scene builds where someone goes down into a basement or an attic and they they find this one thing and it's like a poem that a child wrote 50 years ago yeah, or something. Yeah. and like they all pick up different things and the film's kind of building on each one of those different things it's, yeah. it does it really well because you're like yeah. oh my god which one's it going to be i just don't know and you know it's a really sort of 
what if situation it could have picked anyone and the film would have gone completely differently yeah and you can see that because then it cuts back to the control room and all of the staff are having a sweepstake yeah on which one they're going to pick because basically whatever whatever item they choose first is going to determine how they're going to die it'll trigger the monster it'll trigger the monster that's going to come in and kill them and so you see you see them picking up all these like weird artifacts like you said there's a random diary from a hillbilly family there's Mm -hmm. a mysterious metal box there's a candle that they could light you know mm. it's, it's everything you could think of all yeah. all taken from horror movies uh, and it cuts from that to the, the control room people all just gathered around a giant whiteboard just mm. handed handed in money and placing their bets on which one they're going to pick mm-hmm. and this is a really good did you take the time to pause this and read the whiteboard? i have done on a previous watch yes. yeah it, it's a great <laughs> one to, to, to pause and read because it's very funny that this list of all the potential mm-hmm. monsters so i wrote down some of my favorites these are the <laughs> ones that people are betting on there's Zombie redneck torture family, mm-hmm. which we end up with. Yeah. Dragon bats. Yeah. Dismemberment goblins. <laughs> witches. Mm-hmm. Sexy witches. <laughs> Separate category. I like that. I yeah. like that. It's a good touch. Unicorns. Angry dismemberment tree. <laughs> and Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Who is Kevin? <laughs> I like. I like that. The mystery of just just Kevin. Just all these incredibly descriptive like monsters, and then just just Kevin. Mm-hmm. Who's Kevin? Who knows? Yeah, Kevin's <laughs> going to show up and kill everyone. I like the idea that Kevin might just be like a disgruntled, you know, office worker or something. Like, yeah, maybe, you know. maybe. Because I don't think there's a because obviously there's like Michael Myers, who's Halloween guy, and there's Freddy. Well, they're all... I've never heard of a Kevin. I don't think. Yeah. Unless there's one I've missed. Yeah. No. No, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, it made me laugh. Well, that's the thing about this film is that it, it's full of it's full of tropes and things like that, but it's it's never got anything specific like. Oh, that's Freddy Krueger right there. Like it's, it's it comes pretty close at times, but I think it's more like it's more like references. It's like if you know, you know. They don't need to say it out loud. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, this one that's got like saws in his head. He's kind of like Pinhead from Hellraiser, but it's not Pinhead. Yeah, something somebody else. It's, it's Sawhead. Yeah, it's it's like oh, we're not having Michael Myers, but here's Michael Myers's like non-union Mexican equivalent kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 this whole sweet stick's going on, and eventually. They choose. They unwittingly, the teenagers unwittingly choose the zombies mm-hmm. uh, by reading out of no, a, not the zombies. The red, sorry, the <laughs> the zombie redneck torture family. I love, I love that distinction. Just like I know you bet on zombies, but it's like you know, like an elephant shark is not an elephant. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the zombie redneck torture family, and the the, the reason they managed to land on those is that they read out of a mysterious book that's in in ancient written in ancient latin mm-hmm. and i like how through all of this marty the nerd is just meta commenting on the whole thing yeah he's just like i draw the line at reading latin out aloud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he is he's like the he's like the ginger guy in scream he's the guy who knows mm-hmm. the cliches and yeah recognizes them and like comments on the movie from within the movie kind of thing yeah, yeah. i want to understand the glory of the pain like matthew but cutting the flesh makes him have a husband's bulge and i do not get like that jesus can we not oh my God. why i want to know i have found it in the oldest books the way of saving our family my good arm is hacked up and et so i hope this will be readable that a believer will come and speak this to our spirits then we will be restored and the great pain will return and then and there's something in Latin. Okay. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. But nevertheless, the main girl 
Donna, she does read out the Latin and uh, unwittingly we see outside the zombies, they rise out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the zombie redneck torture family rise out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, Kurt and the blonde girl, Chris Hemsworth and the blonde girl, they go outside to have sex because of course they do. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, so they go outside and it's like they're having sex on the grass. So they're about to have sex on the grass mm-hmm. and then they get attacked by the the zombie rednecks mm-hmm. and he has to watch while she gets decapitated basically yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. this is when he gets the most sore ish i guess yeah. Uh, so yeah she gets decapitated and he runs back in. he's he's wounded but he runs back in mm-hmm. and then the zombie rednecks attack the cabin fling poor blonde girl's head through the window mm-hmm. <laughs> i like how i love the reaction they have well the main girl she she screams and then she's fine yeah 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 it's like she's not <laughs> this is her best friend's throws her head over the shoulder it bounces towards yeah. the fire that's it this is her lifelong best friend's decapitated head and mm-hmm. she she like screams in horror and then she's like, oh my God. And then she's just like, you know, yeah. she's not in any way like catatonic with grief or horror. No, she's no. just like, oh, okay. Moving on. Which is again, very classic horror. Yeah. So yeah. See, so yeah, now the zombies are attacking the house. Uh, Marty the nerd, he runs into one of the bedrooms because th- there's another bit where, and I think this is where the control room characters, they're controlling it so much that it did take the fun out of it a little bit for me because mm-hmm. nothing, nothing that was happening was in any way organic, which mm-hmm. is deliberate, but like Chris Hemsworth says, we should definitely all stick together. Yeah. And then it cuts the control rooms going, oh, that's not going to work. Let release the pheromones. And he goes, no, change your plan. Let's all be separate. Yeah. <laughs> it was a funny line, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they all separate and Marty the nerd runs into one of the bedrooms and he discovers a hidden camera or a hidden mm-hmm. microphone and he realizes, oh, something, something crazy is going on here. Mm-hmm. There's more to this than just killer redneck zombies. Uh, but before he can kind of communicate this to the others or figure anything out, he gets attacked and seemingly killed by one of the mm-hmm. redneck zombies. Yeah. Even um, on my third time through, I was like, huh, I don't remember him dying. Yeah. <laughs> Quite an important plot point, but yeah. yeah. Oh, worth mentioning, actually, when the blonde girl dies and also when Marty is apparently killed, mm-hmm. we cut back to the control room and they're kind of saying a little prayer. Mm-hmm. And then we see like this, this ancient kind of statue or tablet kind of mm-hmm. thing that starts filling it with blood. So there's clearly some kind of ritual involved in all of this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's dead. Oh, and back in the control room as well, they also get an update from the Japanese experiments, mm-hmm. learning that this that this was one of my favorite things. This is great. So we, we saw some earlier scenes where, because again, this is all horror movie cliches. So while there's this teen slasher movie happening in the American control room, mm-hmm. seemingly in Japan, there's a classic Japanese children horror, you know, how Japanese yeah. horror films are much more you know like battle royale kind of or the mm-hmm. ring like they're much more okay with small children being involved mm-hmm. so we just see this kind of the ring style thing with all these like cutesy little japanese schoolgirls who are like nine years older than a day yeah just all being terrorized by some kind of horrific like <laughs> zombie ghost mm-hmm. creature thing we don't see a lot of it no, no. but then we get this update halfway through the film where actually the, the little girls have managed to overcome yeah. the little japanese girls have overcome the evil and trapped its spirit inside the inside the body of a friendly frog <laughs> <laughs> i loved this it was hilarious mm-hmm. um but then obviously the americans are like shit now it's just down to us mm. if, if, if whatever they're doing doesn't pan out then something very bad is going to happen yeah so we get back to the five the surviving three now which is chris hemsworth donna the virgin and a uh, sensitive love interest guy they're the, mm-hmm. they're the last three um they try to escape but the control room like they try to drive away from the cabin but the control room they trigger a convenient uh, tunnel collapse to mean mm. that they can't get out the route that they wanted to get out of mm-hmm. and there's also like the ground just seems to disappear so there's like now there's just like a valley of well they drove around that before oh okay so there was that big canyon that they could oh so the tunnel takes them through the canyon and the only other way out is to 
clear the canyon somehow. Yeah. yeah. Because this is when Chris Hemsworth decides, right, I'm going to jump the canyon. Yeah. And the build-up to this is so much that it's kind of like, well, he's not going to make the jump. Like, Yeah. This could have also been another great opportunity for a twist. Where he does like, make it. Well, no, no, no. Like, if we hadn't seen all the stuff in the control room, mm. where, like, okay, the horror movie stuff's really starting, the characters know they're in a horror movie, that, it, that it's, it, you know, a horror's happening. Yeah. Um, But we didn't know anything, like, non... We don't know that it's not a normal horror film at this yeah. point. Yeah, this is a good moment for the reveal, I agree. Well, not, this... no, not, not quite the full reveal, but just a big tease of it, of just, like... Oh my god, was that a force field? Like, Chris Hemsworth just died in a force field? Yeah, because that's the thing. The, the force a, field is is foreshadowed. It's given away because as yeah. they drive in, you see a bird hit it. So weird. It was, like, I know. that. Wh- why Why include that? That really annoyed me because, yeah, if the force field came out of nowhere, it would be such a good what the fuck moment. But it would, like, you'd, you'd jump out of your skin. You would, because I was totally primed for Chris Hemsworth to, like, miss the jump and fall. Mm-hmm. You know, that's classic Simpsons humor that Joss yeah. Whedon loves very much. And like, you know, just like put his hand over the top or, or not, or just yeah. die either way. Yeah, yeah. But the force field would have been a huge surprise, except I was like, oh yeah, the bird. So yeah, that would have been a great, what the fuck? I agree. I'd really think the film got its chronology wrong. As good as it is, I think <laughs> its chronology is all out of whack. Mm. But anyway, that's just my taste. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he builds up to this whole jump. He's like, I can make it. I can make it. I'm going to do this jump and I'm going to get help for us all. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've done bigger jumps than this before. He has his... He has his superhero moment. All the camera shots are very, you know, straight on. He revs up his motorbike, rides right out, jumps over, looks like he's going to make it, then smashes into this previously invisible force field mm-hmm. and just falls to his death down yeah. the valley. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a great little sort of hint that, oh, this isn't just a normal yeah. Captain in the Woods horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like something else is going on here. This isn't just a zombie, a zombie movie. You're right. So, yeah, so that happens. Let's say that happens and then... We were like, what the fuck did that mean? Mm. And then you think, okay, and, and then 10 minutes later, they discover the lab and then you see what the control room is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I would have liked that too. Yeah. Would have just made it a lot more, yeah, surprising. Yeah. Because this film kind of tells you what it's going to do before it does it a lot of the time, which yeah. is, yeah, a little bit disappointed for me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now we've just got Donna and her love interest guy, um, Holden, sorry. So they try to escape in a different direction that, and they're kind of speeding down the road. But then Holden gets stabbed through the neck by one of the zombie rednecks who has mm-hmm. been hiding in the back of the RV. And mm-hmm. then the RV drives into the lake yeah. and she's kind of trapped and she's drowning and the zombie is trying to drag her under the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, we cut back to the control room again and now it's just a full party. Yeah. Because they, as far as they're concerned, they've succeeded. Mm-hmm. And it turns like it doesn't really, whatever the, whatever is going on, which isn't really explained until later, mm-hmm. there's like a security guard, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Who's like the audience substitute who asks all Basically, the questions. Yeah. yeah. He's like, why are you celebrating? She's still alive. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter if she lives or dies as long as she's the last one. Yeah. So there's this great scene where the, the entire control room are just having this great party. There's like beer <laughs> flowing, awkward interactions, like characters awkwardly hitting on each other. There's like lots of little character moments from characters we haven't really seen before. Yeah. But in the background of this... She's getting absolutely pummeled by, by this zombie. Yeah, just yeah. like flung around and terrorized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't hear her, but we can just see it on the backdrop of the screen. Yeah. Right. And like... So again, this is my third time watching it, but I still had forgotten whether she lived or died at this point. Mm-hmm. It's because they're not very interesting characters. I guess you've got yeah. no reason to remember her. Yeah, and uh, I was watching the you know the glimpses that we can see in the background of what's going on, and like, nah, the zombie's got her. There's no way that she's surviving this. Like, yeah, she's got a chain wrapped around her neck. Yeah, and like she's throwing up blood everywhere, and like, nah, she she's yeah. a goner. <laughs> she she's useless to the end of this. Like it. 
I can't remember if she is in it much more than this, but if she is, then she's definitely walking and running around and stuff, and she's fine, and she just threw up a lot of blood. Yeah. So yeah. she's not okay. Mm. But no. No, she, she she lives, yeah. So yeah, the party's going on in the control room, and then Richard Jenkins gets a phone call mm-hmm. from mysterious people down below, mm-hmm. and he gets the very bad news that something's gone horribly wrong because one of the other teens who was assumed to have been killed mm-hmm. has survived. Yeah. And he's like, shit. And then we cut back to the scene of her, like crawling away, like trying to crawl for her life away from this zombie redneck that's about to decapitate her. And then to the rescue, last moment is Marty the nerd. Mm-hmm. He survived after all. See, if you don't see a body, never assume that they're dead. Mm-hmm. So he's he's somehow survived his his attack, and he, he manages to save Donna. And uh, the two of them run away, and he shows her that he's discovered a secret elevator behind the cabin mm-hmm. or somewhere around the cabin. Yeah. Uh, so he takes her in there. There's also the remains, the dismembered remains of the zombie redneck who attacked him. Oh, yeah. Who he was forced to dismember with a trowel. Yeah. So it's like all the parts <laughs> are still alive, but there's just like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess it's not one of those zombies where you can just stab it in the head. Like, it's mm, just... Yeah. yeah. There's just like bits of it just like crawling around. and It's mm-hmm. very gross, but very funny. Yeah. And you have to think about how long that would have taken him as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. <laughs> what is this place? Dismember that guy with the trowel. What have you been up to? So he's discovered this hidden elevator after dis- dismembering the zombie with the trowel, and the two of them kind of go down it and into this strange underground lab, this kind of bunker thing. Mm-hmm. And on the way down, they discover all all the different nightmare creatures that the control room had mentioned earlier, like the unicorns, the dismemberment trees, the ghosts, the scary clowns, mm-hmm. the dragon bats. They're all. They're all here and they're all in individual kind of cells. Cells, yeah, yeah, cells, like cage cells, yeah. And then Donna, she does some very kind of astute leaps of logic and she's like, oh my God, we chose the way we were killed. Like she she, she kind of mm. guesses the plot of the film she's in very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the smartest thing anyone does in this movie. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so she guesses that they were forced to choose their own method of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interrupted by a security guard then who tries to kill Marty, but he gets distracted by the trowel zombies like crawling remains <laughs> and they manage to overpower him. And we just, we just see him like, I think they knock him out, don't they? And he's like lying yeah. on the floor. And we just see like, as the, as the elevator closes, we just see the hand like crawling onto his face. Like. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so grim. <laughs> that was really grim. Yeah. They escape, but they're immediately set upon by like a SWAT team essentially. Mm-hmm. So they might, they take cover while they're being shot at and they manage to release all of the cages all the cells yeah and so suddenly the entire underground bunker is flooded with these murderous nightmare creatures who just like rip all of the bunker staff to pieces just mm-hmm. murder them all <laughs> it's a great moment yeah it's funny because the first half of this film is pretty low budget looking like mm-hmm. it looks like something that would be released for like you know a five ten million dollar cheap mm-hmm. you know cheap horror movie and then obviously they saved all the budget for this last 10 minutes but mm-hmm. boy did they because like yeah. there's so much CGI happening in this part. The movie, it just becomes a compl- like visually a completely different movie. It's mm. amazing. So much going on. Like yeah. you could, it's one of those rare scenes where like, I kind of want to watch this in slow motion and just yeah. take in every single bit of it. Because like you can pick any one monster and they, and like, they've got a whole, they, they, they've got a whole scene happening. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And they've got multiple people they need to eat. There's choreography going on. There's all sorts mm-hmm. and it's great CGI at the same time. And oh my God, there's so much blood. There's so much blood. There's so much <laughs> going on. Yeah, this is an, another scene you could definitely 
either watching slow-mo or pause it and just like spot all the references because mm. they are so there are so many references to every any horror movie you can think of there's some kind of subtle or not so subtle reference going on like yeah. every every creature every killer imaginable is in this scene mm-hmm. so all of the bunker staff just get massacred basically including richard jenkins i think gets stabbed by donna mm-hmm. and marty bradley whitford gets eaten by the merman mm-hmm. which is kind of a funny callback because when they're doing he the, really stick, the merman, he really wanted the merman and they're like yeah. no the merman's too much cleaning up it's really it's really like what he does you don't want to see it it's yeah. gross yeah and then we see this disgusting merman that mm-hmm. like i guess just eats his face and the blood comes out the blood blow come, hole. the blood comes out the blowhole <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it's really funny mm-hmm. yeah uh, so yeah all of the bunker staff are eventually killed disemboweled mm-hmm. eaten destroyed whatever Dana and Marty, they escape to the lowest floor, which is like, they get the another elevator, they get down to the lowest floor, and now they're in some kind of weird ancient temple, mm-hmm. and they're greeted by the movie's surprise cameo, which I had not <laughs> read about, so I was so pleased. Sigourney <laughs> fucking Weaver shows up. I could swear I recognized her voice on a tannoy earlier in the film. I didn't, I didn't, but I, I kind of, yeah, I heard the voiceover, and I was like, that's a very familiar, distinctive voice. And I was like, where, I, where's that from? I love that she's done that joke multiple times. I know. She really makes her, her voice is like become a bit of a punchline. She yeah. did it in uh, Finding, Finding Dory, Dory as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I hadn't, I didn't know that she cameoed in this film. I managed to avoid it. I think mm-hmm. I managed to avoid Googling the cast and her being spoiled. Yep. So it was very delightful for me when Sigourney Weaver just strutted out in the last 10 minutes of this movie. Same for me. All yeah. three times. You forgot every yeah. single time. Wow. <laughs> and I will forget again. I'm sure. sure. The memory of a goldfish. My God. <laughs> So then she just comes out and she's like the director of this bunker. Mm -hmm. And she's basically just exposition dump. Oh, yeah. But it's Sigourney Weaver, so it's a fabulous exposition dump. Mm -hmm. But she kind of now explains the plot of the movie that we're watching, which is that what's happening is that the world is kind of under constant threat by these vengeful ancient gods. I think they call them the ancient ones that kind of live in this Mm -hmm. hell dimension. Mm -hmm. Basically the hellmouth from Buffy. Yeah. This is basically a a lost, a a feature-length Buffy episode without Buffy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these ancient demons uh they live below the earth's surface and in order to stop them from destroying devouring the world they demand a regular sacrifice mm-hmm. and that sacrifice takes the form of well the american version it seems like every country has its own version and mm-hmm. at least one of them has to be successful i yeah. guess it's a bit thin but whatever mm-hmm. the american version is a slasher movie trope where five random teenagers have to be selected and they have to die in a certain order mm. so they have to hit the five archetypes which we mentioned earlier which is the whore mm-hmm the fool the nerd the athlete the the scholar like the sensitive guy and the virgin they're the mm-hmm. five and the whore has to die first that's in the rules and then the the three guys can die in any order which mm-hmm. i thought was pretty funny yeah but then the virgin has to either it doesn't matter if she lives or dies but she has to be the last the final girl she has to be the last one standing yeah. and if that doesn't happen then the world will end yeah for, for reasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so the fact that marty the nerd has survived this long or the fool has survived this long it's thrown the whole thing out of whack because mm-hmm. It's ruined the whole sacrifice. So now Sigourney Weaver says to says to Dawn of the Virgin, she's like, you need to kill him. If you don't kill him, we'll all die. Mm-hmm. I think she says, you can die with them or you can die for them. And she considers it. She pulls a gun on Marty and she she considers shooting him. Mm-hmm. But before she can do it, she gets attacked by a werewolf from behind, yep. which Marty doesn't warn her about, understandably yeah. so. So she's getting like <laughs> gored by a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then Marty has a whole fight with Sigourney Weaver, who mm-hmm. ends up getting decapitated by uh, one of the zombie mm-hmm. yeah zombie rednecks that's wandering around and then she gets pushed into the hell mouth kind of thing mm-hmm. and then marty and donna who's been horribly gored by this werewolf but not yet killed mm-hmm. they kind of share a spliff she apologizes for trying to kill him <laughs> 
and they just lie back and wait for the end to come and then it, it fully does like the i think they say like oh would it be really cool to see what these ancient creatures look like mm-hmm. and then just this giant cj hand just like <laughs> pounds up kills them instantly and just yep. like yeah begins destroying the world and it smash cuts to the credits yeah and that is the end of uh, cabin in the woods yeah it's a good it's a pretty, time. pretty strong it's, end it's a strong ending I, I i like a horror movie that ends on a nihilistic everybody dies note yeah i like a horror movie that has the courage to do that and not just yeah. be like wimpy about it mm-hmm. so i was glad that it did what it did and unambiguously as much as it made rising a sequel somewhat challenging <laughs> uh i did enjoy the fact that the film had the balls to end with complete not only every character dying but literally the end of the world yeah it's a good <laughs> strong strong ending mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no it was good it was it was a good choice i had a good time with this film um, i yeah, very it's much a, did it's yeah. a fun film yeah yeah what if you don't pull it off they rise who does what's beneath us the ancient ones the gods that used to rule the earth as long as they accept our sacrifice they remain below but the other rituals have all failed. The sun is coming up in eight minutes. If you live to see it, the world will end. Maybe that's the way it should be. If you gotta kill all my friends to survive, maybe it's time for a change. We're not talking about change. We're talking about the agonizing death of every human soul on the planet, including you. You can die with them. Or you can die for them. Gosh, they're both so enticing. Okay, so drinking games? Mm-hmm. So, first one I've got here is Drink for a Cliché. Drink for obvious. a horror movie. Yeah, I had the exact Very same obvious. thing. This film is built on horror movie clichés. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're all there. So, some are incredibly obvious, some are a little bit more subtle. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, very, it's, it's a very meta film. It's very tongue-in-cheek in that way. Yeah. So, yep. That was a good one to get you absolutely blasted. <laughs> Drink every time you spot a member of the Angel or Buffy cast. Oh, yeah. Or just anyone from the Joss Whedon, you know, I think probably there's, if you look hard enough, there's probably some people from Firefly or something. I don't know that franchise as well, but seems like he likes to likes to use a lot of the same people. So Technically, Joss Whedon made Avengers. That's got Chris Hemsworth in it. True. I mean, I mean it's, it's all it's the there. year after this. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's all there. Is yeah. he the reason Chris Hemsworth got cast in? No, no, no. no that's, that was I, after. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's at least Amy Acker who plays one of the lab technicians and yeah, the guy who plays Jonathan, Tom Lank, who mm-hmm. he's, he plays like an intern. Mm-hmm. I f- I'm sure there's more, but yeah, yeah I'm sure probably. Um, drink for a drink. Mm-hmm. So drink what they drink. Well, I had drink every time there's a reference to weed. Yeah. I got and smoking too. weed. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. Plenty of, um, drink for a death. Drink for a death. Yes. Very good. So, you know, about four death, three, three or four deaths, like neatly spaced throughout the film. And then you just get plastered at the end. That's a good point. Yeah. You'd have to, that, that <laughs> the end is just, it's just wall to wall deaths. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had drink for a direct reference to another horror movie. Obviously mm-hmm. that's ties in with cliches a little bit, but like specific references, mm-hmm. like there's lots of Hellraiser. Uh, the angry dismemberment tree is very much an evil dead joke. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, lo- there's loads of stuff like that. So yeah. Any, anytime, anytime you like spot, a specific reference to another mm-hmm. horror movie sure yeah drink whenever someone uh, refers to somebody as a virgin or a whore yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty rough but uh yeah yeah i mean that's it that they are very much they are archetypes and they're commenting on being the archetypes yeah mm-hmm. yeah drink every time well a similar one drink every time the blonde girl mentions her hair mm-hmm. 
It's not yeah. how she's dyed her hair. Or <laughs> yeah. someone else mentions that she's dyed her hair. Yeah. Uh, drink for reaction shots. Oh, okay. That's a good that's a good one. So when they cut back to the control room and everyone's like, oh damn it. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. I'd drink every time Marty comments on the absurdity of the situation. But yeah. he kind of breaks the fourth wall, which he mm-hmm. does almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Drink for a new monster. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because they're pretty spaced out mm. in, t- in terms of the actual reveals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's all I've got. Uh, I've also got drink for a reference to the merman. Mm. Oh, yes. Yes, that's a good one. And uh, drink when another location is shown or mentioned, you know, like Japan and stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's a pretty one... Well, two two location movie. There's the cabin and there's the the bunker. That's yeah. pretty much it. But yes, um, yeah. So that's that's that. Cool. Um, cabin right. in the woods drinking games. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at ninety seven percent Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager thirty three percent? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, ninety seven percent? Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. This is our Do you want to go on sequels then? Sure. Do you want to go first or second? No, you go first. Okay. Have you written another massive one this week? You were yes. writing for quite some time. <laughs> I know. I, it, last week was really good, so <laughs> sure. I mean... Intrigued as what you come up with this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so my one this week, it uh, takes place immediately after the events of the original film. Mm-hmm. And it's called Cabin in the Woods 2 Instant Replay. Mm-hmm. So, as I say, we, be- we begin at the end of the original movie. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Dana and Marty, our last two survivors, are sitting, sharing a spliff. And then the Great Hand jumps out, destroys them both. And basically, it's just, the world is destroyed. It's the apocalypse. It's the end. Yeah, We fade to black. Then, smash cut, the next morning, Dana wakes up in bed on the morning of the trip to the cabin. Ah, okay. Yeah. And everything happens exactly as it did before. Like the same conversations, like the blonde girl runs in and starts mm-hmm. talking about how she's dyed her hair. Oh, your sequel's already way better than mine. Carry on. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything happens exactly the same way it did before. And she's very confused because she can't remember everything that's just happened to her. Okay. But she does have a mysterious sense of deja vu. Like, this conversation seems right, really familiar okay. to you. Yeah, something's yeah. weird. Am I not wearing pants? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just little things like that trigger yeah. memories too. And she's like, why does this seem so hauntingly familiar? Mm-hmm. But the other characters all behave completely obliviously as if this is the first time any of this has ever happened to them. So they're mm-hmm. literally having the exact same conversations, the exact same reactions. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Marty, who, like her, is similarly quite unsettled. So Marty is the nerd, obviously, the stoner. yeah. yeah. He's also got this weird sense of deja vu and he's recognizing a lot of the same conversations, but he can't quite place what it is or why, Mm -hmm. but something's definitely not right, not sitting right with him. Mm. But all the events, nevertheless, they follow the original movie and they end up back at the cabin, much like they were in the first film, exactly like they were in the first film. Mm -hmm. So, but as they, as they're getting closer to the cabin and things keep triggering in Marty and Dana's memories, 
they're just getting more and more agitated. Like something feels really off about this. I don't feel mm. comfortable. And when they get to the cabin, Martin finally, Marty finally speaks out and says, look, I'm getting, look, this, I'm getting really weird deja vu about this. Something's weird is happening. Yeah. And that's, it's only when he says it out loud that Dana realizes that it's not just her, that he's also having the same experience. So they mm-hmm. kind of instantly bond over the fact that they're both sharing this weird unsettling feeling, but they still can't figure out what it is. So they decide to leave the cabin together. Right. Okay. So they're like, you know what? Let's just get out of here. We both agreed this is this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Let's just go home. Mm. So they leave. They walk out the cabin and are immediately murdered by a pack of sexy witches. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, fade to black again. Mm-hmm. And once again, they wake up on the day of going to the cabin. Got it. Yeah. So we're in a full Groundhog Day slash Happy Death Day sequel kind mm-hmm. of territory kind of thing. Yeah. And I think I feel like this could keep repeating. And this 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 could be like a really fun montage where we get to experience all the other ways in which the characters could have been killed by the monsters Got it. if they picked a different thing. In yeah, because the sweepstake because they picked the <clears throat> the rednecks. <clears throat> so I feel like the, it keeps happening. They keep experiencing deja vu and getting confused, but they keep ending up at the cabin. But mm-hmm. each t- the only thing that changes each time is that it's a different method of death. Yeah. So we get the unicorns, we get the the sexy witches, we get the non sexy witches, we get mm-hmm. Kevin, whoever Kevin is. We get the tr- the angry dismemberment tree, you know. Mm-hmm. We get all of it. Yeah, yeah. So we can we can get a really fun montage of Chris Hemsworth and his friends being killed yeah. by various different things. That could okay. be a lot of fun, yeah. But the more and more they keep getting killed, the stronger Dana and Marty's deja vu becomes, mm-hmm. and they, they they get more and more unsettled with each time round that, that goes. And they even try to, it even gets so much that they start trying to not travel to the cabin in the first place they'd like to try and make excuses not to go mm-hmm. but somehow events always force them to go right okay. like maybe they like make an excuse like maybe she says oh no my sister's really sick and then her sister walks into and goes oh no i'm fine you can go <laughs> but just like really convenient stuff like there's nothing they can do to get out of it yeah all roads point to the cabin yep so they keep ha- it keeps happening again and again and they keep getting killed and then waking up and not really remembering mm-hmm. but each time their connection gets a little bit stronger and they, as they both kind of realize that they're the only two who can sense that something's weird mm-hmm. and so they keep connecting earlier and earlier and and getting having more conversations and getting just a touch closer to figuring it out but don't they never quite get there before they get killed yeah but eventually after god knows how many deaths mm-hmm. horrible dismemberments they have to go through uh, they realize that the weed that marty's been smoking mm-hmm. is the thing that's helping them to stay it's been helping him at least to stay mentally connected yeah because that was a comment in the original movie where they said actually the weed he's smoking was supposed to make him more susceptible to the brain manipulation that the mm-hmm. control room were doing, but something in his batch was went was done wrong, and it was actually making him <laughs> resistant to it. Right, yeah. So I'm thinking he's got still got that same batch of of weed, mm-hmm. and it keeps replenishing every time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they, he, him and Dana realize that the weed is the key. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that's helping him to stay connected to the reality of the situation. Got it. And to connect to the fact that the memories that every time they go through the same cycle. Mm-hmm. So this time when they get to the cabin, the two of them just decide that they, they, they ignore the other three completely and they just sit in a corner and decide to get as stoned as they can possibly get. <laughs> sure. So they just get, and the other three are just like completely nonplussed because they have no memories. Yeah. It's a, just, it's fresh and new for them every time. Mm-hmm. So they don't understand why their two friends are behaving like this, but the two of them, Donnie and Marty, just get as stoned as, they get completely baked, mm. just as high as a kite. And while they're so baked, they're kind of wandering around just being comedically stoned. And they wander into Donna's bedroom and they uncover the scary portrait of the mm-hmm. ritual animal sacrifice and they discover the two-way mirror or the one-way mirror, whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah, yeah. Except this time, 
because they're so stoned, it's not showing them through to the other bedroom. They're actually seeing something strange and otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And th- they can't quite tell what it is at first. It's like it's murky and it's it looks kind of mystical. Mm-hmm. But as their eyes eventually adjust, it comes into focus a little bit. And what they see and what they recognize is versions of themselves dressed uh, differently. Right. Stoned and kind of semi-awake, semi-comatose, semi-awake, mm-hmm. sat on a couch in front of a TV screen holding control pads to video games. <laughs> And at that moment, they realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're not in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. They're in a they're in a horror movie video game. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd take it because the the thing the the end of this movie is so abrupt with the hand and the, it did feel like it could have just said game over. Yep. So that made me think, oh, what yeah. if it's like actually a video game? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like a video game that's a knockoff of the film, mm. like kind of Silent Hill in reverse or something. So then they realize what's going on and they have to kind of process it. And maybe Donna says something like, oh my God, we're a cash-in. Like, <laughs> And then they have to kind of come to terms in their very stone state with the realization that they don't actually exist and they never did. Right, They're yeah, just yeah. Ca- playable characters in, yeah. a vi- in a horrendous horror movie video game doomed to die over and over and over again mm-hmm. while their real-life counterparts just like obliviously play the game. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of also bringing in a little bit of Black Mirror here. Remember that one uh, where with the video game? Oh, yeah. They yeah, get trapped yeah. in, so you know. Yeah. I'm pulling on, on lots of horror references, as Joss Whedon would in in the film. So, mm-hmm. you know. so yeah, the, the, the whole nightmare that they're living in is a super popular, elaborate video game in which if you don't manipulate the characters in just the right order, the world is devoured and it's game over. Nice. Yeah. So they use their memories. They've unlocked a lot of the memories now of all the times they've died before. Mm-hmm. They use those memories to get back into the, the bunker, you know, through the elevator. They get down into mm-hmm. the control room and they seek out Sigourney Weaver on the bottom floor. <laughs> And they explain to her the situation as it really is. She's not actually saving humanity the way she thinks she is. You know, she, she thinks she's running this ritual sacrifice to save humanity. And they explain that's not what she's doing at all because she's not even human. She's not saving humanity. She's not even a human herself. Mm. She's a non-playable character. She's an NPC. <laughs> uh, and so... Have you been watching Free Guy? No, I actually haven't seen it. Okay. But I'm guessing it's similar stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're really not very far off. Okay. So once they explain to Sigourney what's going on mm-hmm. uh, and she's kind of accepted it, they t- decide to team up to destroy the game and end their nightmare for good. Right, yeah, yeah. So in order to do that, they need to venture down into the hell dimension of the Ancient Ones, which is like below Sigourney Weaver's feet, <laughs> okay. and beyond to access the central processing unit, mm-hmm. CPU. <laughs> and their plan is to flood the memory banks. <laughs> You've been doing your research here, haven't you? A little bit, yeah. I knew what a CPU is. I'm, I'm a kid of the 90s. I've had computer <laughs> games. Um, yeah, so what they plan to do is somehow to flood the memory banks of the computer's CPU mm-hmm. so, that it, so that it overdrives and crashes and destroys the game mm-hmm. and sets them free, essentially. Yeah. So in order to overload the CPU, they decide to unleash all of the monsters into this like bottom layer mm-hmm. so they can like run riots. And so they, they do, they manage to flood the CPU and not only do all the monsters from the original film, all the different nightmare creatures come out and start going on a killing spree mm-hmm. because the computer is now glitching and the memory is overloading also released are the playable characters from every computer game that's ever been played on this console <laughs> so now you can bring in like mario link from zelda kirby sonic the hedgehog donkey kong earthworm jim the lot like mm-hmm. and i just think it'd be really funny like obviously in the original film you've got this great cgi all these months you know that scene you mentioned where all the monsters are doing their own little things and being killed and killing all the humans and yeah Imagine that, but the monsters are actually disemboweling and killing classic video, beloved video game characters. Mm-hmm. So you could see all of that's happening at once. It's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So you can see, yeah, so you'll see all of the your, your favorite Nintendo and Sega and PlayStation video game characters mm-hmm. just being ripped to shreds by all these monsters. So it's just carnage. It's complete carnage. Mm. But all of this chaos, it succeeds. It overloads the CPU and the computer starts to crash. And as Dana and Marty share another spliff, you see like all the monsters and the characters, they start like glitching and disappearing and freezing and all the things that show that the computer is essentially crashing. Yeah. So yeah, Dana and Marty, they share another spliff and they lean back and uh, watch as the world fades to static and they're finally at peace. They've managed to end their nightmare by destroying the computer game. Oh, great. Nice. So yeah, that was uh, Cabin in the Woods 2 Instant Replay. <laughs> that really went somewhere. It did, yeah. Once that started, it it's, it really took a life of its own. So. Yeah. No, it's a really good concept. Good idea. I could, I could. I mean, obviously, Joss Whedon's nobody's favorite person anymore, so no. he's unlikely to make any more movies. Uh, but uh, I could see a version Is of that. Brother Dread Whedon still going? There you go. Maybe he can pick it up. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> the sequel to do the sequel. Yeah. Um, okay, so mine also a, uh, a lengthy one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Cabin by the Lake. Cabin by the Lake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a very similar kind of trope. Sure. Yeah. Bit nicer. Bit yeah. more picturesque. Yeah. Yeah. So, immediately after, okay, um, all the original film's characters are obviously dead, so we're not going to yeah. capture any of them, and the end of the world is nigh. Okay. We pick up in the control room of another underground base. Okay. The cabin in the lake. Cabin by the lake. Is this one in England? Sure, yeah. Because then you say every country's got its own version. Yeah. And obviously England has a lot of lakes. Yeah, yeah. Even um, in the Lake District, even. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I need two controllers then. Okay. Um, I, I did have a cast, but I'm pretty sure they're both American, so it might not work with your... Uh, your you know, I was, I'm just spitballing, but if you want, like, middle-aged English guys, I don't know why Liam Neeson immediately came into my head. Yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson, good, good call. Hugh good Grant? Thing. Bad call. Bad call. Yeah. Uh, we can do better. Uh, we can do better than that. Sean Bean? Yeah, Sean Bean. Sean Bean would be good. Sean Bean can have some fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm assuming he's not going to live through this, so, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's a classic for a death. I had, hadn't written that in, but I'll have to now. Sure, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so, yeah. Liam Neeson, Sean, Sean Bean. Bean. Good one. Yeah. So they're just finishing watching the, the, the final events of the original, you know, live streamed from uh, underground base to underground base. Mm-hmm. In shock. Ominously, Sean Bean says, well, I guess that one of the uh, one of the ancient ones is loose. One of the seven ancient ones has come loose. Oh, okay. Liam Neeson's like, so is this going to be the end of the world? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, we all know that all over the world at the exact same time, hell will break loose at full moon unless we make seven groups of ritual sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, there's no need to explain it to me like I'm some kind of dummy watching a movie for the first time. <laughs> I know all the sacrifices. I know that all the sacrifices need to be the horror movie cliches because that's the curse that the evil witch cast on all humanity 665 years ago. <laughs> Well, yes, but did you know that she set the curse to last for 666 years? And we're just one month away from that. So we just need to get through to next month's full moon, and then we're good. That's a very artful exposition. I like it. Again, I know, not all the customers who fund all the operations and staff and monster creations, they all know this. So stop expositioning to me. (laughs) Fine, but you'll be dead by the end. (laughs) Well, Ash. Um, at that point, the uh, senior chairman, so the the person above Sigourney Weaver, because oh, wow. you know she was in charge of that base, okay. as she said. But the person above that um, comes on a video call. Um, who did that cast there? So he, this is the person in control of all the different bunkers. He's like the planetary mm-hmm. commissioner of yeah. all. Hmm. I don't know why, but Tilda Swinton popped into my head. <laughs> Excellent shout! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant shout! Okay. 
So attention, Big Daddy Corp employees. Oh, Big Daddy's now in the world saving game. I yeah. like it. Um, out. We have failed this moon cycle because, you know, Japan failed and America failed. America failed. Um, and so now the beasts of hell are getting loose into the area surrounding the cabin in the woods and the Japanese primary school. We have one shot to save the world. Our armies will keep the beasts at bay for now, while you, the technicians, will need to work around the clock doing sacrifices. We still have five working bases, but that might not last. So I'm increasing your workload to one sacrifice group a week oh, wow. at each base. That should be enough to resend those beasts back to the pits of hell. And so Liam Neeson and... Uh, Sean Bean. So Liam Neeson and Sean Bean, they look at each other, um, both wince at the amount of work that they've got to do, mm-hmm. and they shout to their staff, all right, listen up to everybody. We've got to do another sacrifice this weekend. By the way, they, they normally only do one every full moon. I see, okay. So we- the world's not actually doomed yet. There's there's one of these ancient ones is like rampaging through America, mm-hmm. but if the rest of the countries can pull their socks up and do some overtime, mm-hmm. they can seal it back in again and save humanity. Yeah. Okay, I like that as a concept. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. would have been the end of the world, but they can I can work around it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I like that. There's always <laughs> there's always room for a little bit of maneuvering, yeah. yeah. Or maybe Sigourney Weaver wasn't wasn't being completely truthful. Yeah, sure. She was yeah. like, look, it's the end of the world, so you need to die. But really it was just like if he doesn't die, then it doesn't look good for her career. Yeah, exactly. Like she she's telling them what she needs to tell them to make them do what she wants them to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So listen up, everybody. We've got to do another sacrifice this weekend, so we need to work on the cleanup as fast as possible. Prep team, please find another group and make them dumb. No stoners. Their cliché is occasionally secretly smart, and that's what undid the cabin in the woods, so find a new cliché. Um, well, one of the technicians asks, well, we could uh, double up on jocks, I guess. Nah, jocks are too strong. They can overpower the zombies. Okay, fine. We'll get some smart guys who claim to have sex all the time but are actually very pervy people perfect that'll be a good second death the audience can root for okay so they start cleaning up their recently finished slaughter to set for the next one so the SWAT team go above ground we see the cabin by the lake and you know there's there's been a slaughter that weekend we've not seen it so i we see just, we just see the aftermath there's like bodies floating in the water somebody's mm. been impaled on the front of a boat it's just okay some silly things so is the, are you are you suggesting that because obviously in the original film it implied that the Japanese version of this sacrifice, rather than being like five sexy teenagers, was like little girls being terrorized, like mm-hmm. little schoolgirls. Yeah. What is the English equivalent if this is set in England? I know I've kind of threw the English thing at you after you'd written this, so maybe it's not really yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Um... Like, what's a British horror movie trope? Simon Pegg's in it. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like Simon he Pegg just and Nick to, in yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's this. We could cross this over with like the World's End. Nah, nah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like our horror movies are too. We don't get bogged down in the cliche so much. True. So, yeah. So, so they're all they're all trying to be different. Mm. Whereas in the American ones, you can kind of get away with like they're all sort of cabin in the woods or by a lake or. Yeah. True. Well, the way I've written it, I still kind of need it to be uh, like five teenagers just okay, sure. go, going for a weekend away. Maybe they need to make up for the fact that the American teenage quota has been dropped, so they need to recruit some English teenagers. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There's my excuse. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, as part of the cleanup, the SWAT team, they quickly track down the killer. Um, in this case, it's a man in a mask with a large blade. Mm-hmm. Um, given he's run out of teens to murder, he's just kind of standing there, aimless and dormant. <laughs> um, so they take him down t- downstairs and reprison him. Okay. 
And uh, we're going to have a quick little montage of them sort of setting up, putting everything back the way it was, and, you know, fixing mirrors and stuff like that. Oh, cleanup crew in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love a side movie that's just the cleanup crew, like yeah. a, bunch of, a grumpy <laughs> middle-aged lady with a vacuum, just like <laughs> like cl- cleaning up entrails and, you know, eyeballs and, mm-hmm. you know, ripped out tongues and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, someone's got to d- disinfect that wolf head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so a quick montage of setting up and then cut to the weekend where a minibus of five or six people pulls up and we get a quick 10 to 15 minute slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the control room downstairs. Well done, everyone, says Liam. Who? Liam Neeson. Thank you. I had Hemsworth stuck on my head there. You're obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> well done, everyone, says... Uh, oh, my God. Liam Neeson. Sean Bean. <laughs> You can see how I forgot all the things from this movie. You're not even drunk. You're <laughs> alcohol-free. Oh, dear. Well done, everyone, says Liam Neeson, yeah. um, while high-fiving people. Another successful slaughter. Tilda Swinton comes back on the telly. Mm-hmm. We've lost another two bases this weekend. We lost the abandoned hospital and the haunted mansion. Oh, no, not the hospital. Yeah, I know. That, uh, that just leaves... Three bases left. There's the Misty Cemetery, guarded by a lone old man, mm-hmm. and a fancy high school at night, <laughs> um, al- along with the cabin by the lake. Sure, yeah. You are the last three bases, and you now need to slaughter two groups a week. Oh my god, this production's getting... So get to it. So we cut... sustainable. Yeah. And so we, uh, we, we we cut back to Liam Neeson and Sean Bean. They're both looking very exhausted already. Mm-hmm. Quick montage of cleanup, prep, and a new group coming as the, as, as the days fly by on screen. Mm-hmm. The montage continues into yet another cleanup, another prep, and another slaughter at the end of the week. Tull Swinton comes back on video. Sorry to say that the uh, the cemetery and a private school have also failed and are both destroyed. Um, so, cabin by the lake, you are now our only hope. Oh, God. Um, so, you need to force the monsters back, and you will need to successfully conduct a slaughter a day. Oh, my God. For the next two weeks running, or else the world ends. So no pressure, a- but it's all on you, or we all die. Blimey. Yeah, so uh, again, we cut to uh, Liam Neeson and Sean Bean's faces staring back at the screen with a look of extreme exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reconsidering this casting choice now, because now that it's starting... Wait, wait, wait Okay, fine. So we, uh, yeah, so we show Liam Neeson and Sean Bean's faces staring back at the screen with extreme exhaustion on their face. Mm-hmm. Without hesitating, Sean Bean pulls out a gun and just shoots his brains out. Yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson doesn't have the energy to flinch at all. And uh, Tilda Swinton says, well... That's a shame, but uh, are you going to be okay to carry on? I'll I'll send you in a new partner and all resources we have left and everything. So the next day, busloads of staff arrive at the cabin by the lake and they help prepare everyone for a new slaughter day. Um, they are led by a new partner. Who's that going to be? This is not... Ma- they're not in it very much. So it's not very important, but uh, new casting. Well, I'll, I'll see this... Helen. It's sure okay. I mean, he's he's quite old for this kind of heavy lifting. Okay. It's, a, it's a lot of oh. lot of work. Okay. No, I was I was going to say actually now this is sounding more like a comedy or more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. Maybe instead of Sean Bean and Liam Neeson, it should it should be Simon Fr- Simon Peck and Nick Frost. Yeah, sure. That would've, this sounds that, like that a them kind of role, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah. That 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 would also work. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, uh, either way, let's say that Nick Frost is the one who who, who killed himself in a uh, in a quick joke there. Sure. Um, and he will be replaced by Mark Strong. Yes. Like a no nonsense yes. one, a no nonsense. Oh, I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a good shout for this role. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
And Mark Strong, he also shows up with a few more crates of new monsters mm-hmm. um, to help with all the slaughters. Okay. A lot of slaughters got to happen. Need a yeah. lot of monsters. Where are they sourcing all these teens from? <laughs> <laughs> so the slaughters, they start up again and they start going well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tilt Swinton comes on the call again to say that they need more slaughter energy. They need to redouble their slaughter output so they're up for two a day now. Oh dear grief. And daytime ones are really difficult. Yeah. You don't get many daytime horror movies. You don't. No one. No one. Knows. And the ones you do get are very long. Yeah. Not very time. Cons- they're not very time efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So things start to go wrong. Mm. The cleanups are overlapping into the setup, and the teenagers start bumping into occasional staff members here and there. It really throws off the illusion. All oh, right. After a while, the staff even start to get lazy, and by lazy I mean tired because yeah. they're all pretty overworked at this point. Fair enough. Yeah. And so in some cases, they just leave the cabin as it was left. So new people keep arriving to find like old bloodbaths. <laughs> um, and eventually the groups they start to overlap as the monsters get tired as well so yeah. everyone's just ex- in a state of complete exhaustion at this point yep. yeah the only people who are still doing their jobs well are the people sourcing the teenagers okay like there's just more teens coming in more teens but like just a production no, line no, of teens no, no yeah. one's killing them eventually there are nine groups in total oh good god all with the same makeup of person there's a jock his girlfriend there's the innocent good guy there's the one that everyone knows is gay and then there's the group of final girls as well. Okay, yeah. So, 30 minutes before the deadline, um, with 45 people to kill in a very specific order, uh, Mark Strong comes out and grabs everyone's attention, gets all the teenagers into one group, and shouts at them with a megaphone. Welcome, everyone, to the cabin by the lake. Can't explain to you what the plan is just yet, but boy, are you going to have the time of your life. First, I need to separate you all out. And he whispers to a subordinate, how can I like separate them how can i get the jocks in one place so we can kill them first and mm-hmm. or kill or kill the kill the blonde one first like how do, how do we do that and uh he gets given some tips he goes back to the megaphone all right i need a show of hands who here thinks they could go toe to toe with this guy in a fight pointing to the biggest swat guy okay so we sing us out all the jocks we get the jocks okay yeah so they'll put their hands up and they'll go and stand in in, in one group mm-hmm so now he needs to go and separate out the girlfriend, mm-hmm. basically the the sexy one. Yeah. Okay. So who here were who here doesn't want to get their hair wet? Mm-hmm. Very simple. All the girlfriends they put they put their hands up. It's got nine girlfriends. Go and put them over there. Mm-hmm. Groups nine. Perfect. You know what would be an easier way of doing this? Mm. Just and also to have an, an endless supply of millennials who are stupid enough to kill. <laughs> just disguise this cabin by the lake as the audition series as auditions for the new series of Love Island. Mm. That's a good so show. they would automatically sort themselves <clears throat> into like very specific types. Yep. And they'd all be really stupid. So they would be very easily manipulated <laughs> into, into dying. So, yeah. Okay. So now there's just three people left. Well, three types of three people archetypes left. left yeah. Um, there is, there's the, there's the final girl, mm-hmm. there's the good guy, and then there's the gay best friend. So you, you've replaced the nerd with the gay. In, in yeah. This one. Okay, sure. Well, I, well I, I, I said no stoners. Fair enough, fair enough. It's like, right, how do I, how do I, how do I separate out the gays from the, from the best friends oh there? Dear. How are my nails? Oh, Harry. <laughs> Five years, that's the best you can do. Do better. What? You'd be funny. What? <laughs> I'm constantly funny. <laughs> you could have said, look, signed Kylie CDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. Maybe I'll, Silent you, disco over here. Yeah. You've, you've not trained me well enough. I'm sorry. Oh, right, fine. Um, well, anyway, you managed to separate... Separate them all out into their five archetypes mm-hmm. and uh, takes takes them all into five separate rooms, locks them in and unleashes some beasts on them one by one. Mm-hmm. The girlfriends, they all scream out for a bit and then go silent. The group of gay men, largely the same. 
Okay. Um, how, how well would you do against any of these monsters? I'm not saying I'd do better. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> the jocks, they immediately burst into a fist fight before they even put a monster in the room. Sure. And they all knock each other out. It's actually quite so an mon- easy slaughter. The monsters aren't really necessary. No. But unfortunately, all the good-hearted guys manage to break out of their room because they're kind of smart, mm-hmm. and they free the final girls too. And then those two groups, here and Odessa, their friends, they immediately all start running or rioting. Mm-hmm. So remember, they need to kill all the, well, pretty much everybody. So the SWAT team, they turn it into a massacre. But of course, there's just one couple that survived. There's just two people left. Sure. Just, just one final girl and her best friend. How convenient, yeah. And uh, all hope is lost if they don't die in the right order. So those two, they row out into the lake. And they just wait for the apocalypse. No one can get them. And as the clock strikes midnight, a giant devil bursts out from the lake in a volcano of smoke and fire. And the devil is Tilda Swinton pulling the strings all along. Oh, so the, it, it was all a long con. Yeah. The ancient ones were just tormenting the people with the hope of a salvation they could never actually achieve. Basically, I like yeah. it. That's a good twist. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So that was the cabin by the lake. Cabin by the lake. Very, very good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. Shall we get to some listener submissions? Yes, please. Cool. Okay. So Colin Baxter said Squid Game in the Woods. Sure. Very, very timely, obviously. Very popular show right now. Joseph Finn did a full sequel pitch here. It's 10 years later and our two survivors are wandering the post-apocalyptic wasteland, searching for a way to give humanity the planet back, mm-hmm. control of the planet again. Shenanigans ensue and they are forced to team up with some of the monsters who are being hunted down by what remains of the underground cult facility in a tenuous alliance to keep them from making things even worse by summoning summoning their demon masters. Mm -hmm. You can pick which monster you want to see again. For for me, it's the ballerina. So I (laughs) guess guess the short version of that is the surviving humans team up with the monsters to try and, I don't know, save the world. Brandon Christensen said, Cabin in Space. (laughs) Matt Hatfield-Teff said... I think just about the only way you could do this is if you show what the organization was like in earlier times before they had as much technology, like Cabin in the Woods 1956. Right, so you could kind of go back and like, if every horror movie is actually just a Cabin in the Woods scenario, you could go back to like Psycho or something. And like that, mm, yeah, that yeah. could, it, actually that is just a Cabin in the Woods scenario. Yeah. yeah. Vanessa Riley said, the woods in the cabin. Twist, the woods are inside now. <laughs> the woods are in the house. Yeah. Sean Dungan said, houseboat in the ocean. Vincent DePaul said, title card, Cabin in the Woods 2, two hours of black screen, credits. I guess because they're, they're all dead, so there's not yeah. much you can really do yeah. with that. The end of the world. Indeed. Travis Owen said, the two survivors were thrown back in time and space to medieval Europe. There they go on a quest to recover a mysterious book which will allow them to return home and vanquish the old ones once and for all. Maybe they have a chainsaw and a shotgun too. It would be groovy. So that's a, that's a very obvious riff on the classic horror movie evil dead if you've Mm -hmm. not seen it and finally connor crehan said the elder gods from the first movie decide that they're tired of seeing horror scenarios so the control centers have to switch to engineering romantic comedy plots instead i call it duplex in the lower east side (laughs) so instead of getting teens to play out slasher movie trips they get the Mm -hmm. teens to play out rom-com trips which is probably a lot more pleasant and fewer lower body count yeah yeah, you'd hope that that could be quite a sweet fun little sequel yeah Mm mm-hmm so thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week a few days before we record by putting posts on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. So listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set. You can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, in all of which you can also leave us a review if you so wish. It does help us to stay up in the rankings, so please do consider it. 
And normally this would be the bit, bits where I promoted our Patreon, but as we mentioned last week, we are winding down a little bit because Harry's mm-hmm. going to have a baby soon. So yeah. the show is coming to an end very shortly, but uh, nevertheless, do stick with us. We've got plenty of great stuff to come, including film reviews and maybe some extra bonus features as well. So mm-hmm. stick with us for another few weeks. There's still plenty to enjoy, mm-hmm. including next week's episode, mm-hmm. which Harry, what's it going to be? Well, it's uh, as it is still before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, Stick into a horror theme, yeah. Stick into a horror theme. I've got uh, I've got two options for you. Okay. Well, kind of three actually. Okay. Do you want to do a serious horror movie, mm-hmm. or do you want to do like a very silly film? I mean, I'll always go for silly. Although, is it going to be silly in the sense that no, lesbian yeah. vampire killers were silly? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It's, it's definitely up your street. Okay, good. In that case, I'll go for silly. Okay, great. From there, I have two choices as well. Oh, good God. <laughs> but that, 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 that'll be it. It's um, one of those games you play when you're a kid with the folded pieces of paper. Every option leads to another option. <laughs> uh, one of them is starring, I believe, my favourite actor from the 70s. Okay, I didn't know you had a favourite actor from the 70s. But yeah, sure. me neither, but I thought about it. It was definitely him. Okay. And uh, I don't really know. I don't really know how, how I'm doing this guessing game. Uh, one of them is... Uh, oh, actually... It's it's all been an episode of Two Geeks Two Movies. Okay. On a horror theme. Uh, sorry. So these two films have been the subject of an episode of Two Geeks Two Movies. Yes. You don't need to keep all this into the in the episode. No. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I, I can't remember every episode of Two Geeks Two Movies. On a horror theme. On a horror theme. Is one of them the thing? No. Okay. Uh. You're gonna have to give me more. Sorry. They're both musicals. Horror musicals? Yeah. Oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Or? Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I feel like we've... Haven't we done Little Shop of Horrors? I don't think so. We did it as a bonus episode. Did we? We definitely reviewed it, but I don't think we did a sequel. Right, right, right. So let's do Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's a classic. Yeah. Okay, Okay, everybody. So, yeah. Next week, it'll be Rocky Horror Picture Show. Good shout. That's a good one. Technically has a sequel, but I'll let... You know what? With 10 episodes in the end, we're going to let it slide. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I, 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 I looked into it, and it's like does look quite official it's got like multiple returning uh, i think it's the same director as well the same director same writer but like who's heard of it true very little scene sequel let's just let it slide yeah absolutely so uh yeah great so join us next week listeners for the rocky horror picture show starring meatloaf starring well featuring meatloaf (laughs) sure he's your favorite actor from the 70s (laughs) no no of course it's tim curry tim curry yes great (laughs) the correct answer yeah uh, great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. And there's something in Latin. Okay. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin.